So what they came up with was actually a sideways growing plant. Um, it's very interesting. They they have these uh, almost like shelves that are, are spring-loaded to expand, and they put the seeds yeah. and the dirt in there. And then as the plants grow, they move it down this, this uh, hemispherical rack so that the shelf that these are in grows, giving the plants more space to grow. And they are able to control the growth rate of the plants in this manner. Hey guys, before the episode starts, I'd like to give a quick thanks to all my supporters. Uh, it's greatly appreciated that anyone who, who listens to this podcast supports it. It's it's, it's very uh, nice to know that people are willing to help out with this and that they see it to be something worth investing in. Uh, right now, it's just faith. Uh, thank you again, whoever you in, you are, um, for for you know donating to this podcast. It's by no means an obligation, so anyone listening to this, don't feel like you need to give me any, any kind of financial support for this. Um, any, any is appreciated, but again, I'm not going to ask that of you guys. I don't like to ask you guys to pay for a, a product like this. It's just something that I like to do for fun. So um, yeah, definitely not required, but but greatly appreciated when it is. I also like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Anchor. Uh, there will be an ad for that halfway through, um, but again just thank all of you for so much for for tuning in every episode and and just giving your your undivided attention and and support and it means so much to me so thank all of you and i hope you enjoy the episode hello and welcome to talk ag to me podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe i'm your host brendan black and in today's episode we're going to talk about a little bit of a different topic now as you've as you heard in our previous episodes we've talked about agriculture in different types of environments before one of them being in mars today's episode is going to be somewhat similar to that but agriculture in space and a few other topics surrounding that to help with this episode i have a a guest somewhat of a newer podcaster to the scene uh, his name is jake and he's going to give his own little introduction uh jake go ahead and take it away thanks brennan so my name is jake i run a podcast called no too much uh I come from an academic background. I currently study astronautical engineering and uh, am currently designing a lunar base for NASA. So I would consider myself growing in knowledge on the idea of using plants in space as living and uh, breathing sources. Hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's, that's you know great to hear. So I'm Glad to have you on here. Is really exciting to hear you reach out and talk about that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty excited to get into the episode. I'm, uh, if, you know, if, if you're ready to go. Yep, I'm ready. Cool. So before I uh, start with the, the questions or the discussion or anything, um, kind of my go-to question for every guest I have on this podcast is: Would you mind explaining what, if any, experience you have with agriculture, with uh, food production, with you know anything in that industry? So agriculturally, I grew up in a relatively rural area, um, so I did have corn growing around me a lot. Um, my extended family largely grew up on a farm, whereas I grew up in more of a suburbia area. So I've heard about farming, uh, some of the practices like crop rotations and such. Um, but personally, the most I've ever gotten to is I drove an Alice Chalmer and I uh, have played farming simulator, so <laughs> don't have too much experience directly hey you got more experience than some people do (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm glad uh, to hear it. So, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it, I uh, was just going to say that I I was very fortunate to get to drive those tractors and learn the mechanical <laughs> stuff behind them. So it was nice. Yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. So kind of jumping into our, our topic today, you said you had some uh, some good sources and, and some some good information for us. So um, before we get started, why don't you kind of introduce the idea for what we're going to be talking about today? Okay, so as I said, I am designing a lunar habitat. Mm-hmm. So back in the late 70s, NASA commissioned a program to look into the feasibility of growing plants on the lunar surface. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to be confused with growing it like in lunar dirt. We're still growing it in earth dirt that we just shipped up there. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of issues in terms of growing it on the moon that I can talk about a little bit later. Um, but we have been doing physical tests, not just thought experiments on the International Space Station. They have been growing plants up there for a while and have actually started to increase the complexity with which they're growing them uh, spring of 2018, so just a few years ago. And when they grow them, they then freeze them and send them back to Earth for analysis. And we can learn more and more about how plants grow in microgravity, these confined spaces, different processes for growing them. And we can extrapolate that to the moon, Mars, deep space, wherever we want. That's incredibly interesting stuff. So uh, before we get you know too much deeper into the informational type of stuff, um, and maybe I'll, maybe this will be a, a more appropriate question towards the end of the discussion, but uh, do you see... Uh, do you see food production being a, a possible reality sometime in the, in the near future on in space? I mean, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Substantial food production could cause issues. Uh, and I, I really wish I could show you one of these flow charts I have here. It's very complex in how they have to manage the nutrients of the plants and the nutrients of the people to make sure that both the plants and the people are happy in the same environment. Mm. Uh, astronauts on the International Space Station have actually eaten um, red lettuce that they grew up there uh, entirely. They sent up seeds, they sent up dirt, uh, lights and stuff, but they grew it from seed and then ate it up there. Uh, And so they have eaten food from space, um, though lettuce is far from being substantially (laughs) nutrient-full, but Mm. I feel like uh, full food production is, is definitely something we could see in the near future. Wow, that's that's awesome. I mean, if that were the case, and that would kind of provide an an alternative to you know the the food scarcity that we're, that we're starting to see in in our own planet. Um, no, that's 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 incredible stuff. So why don't you kind of start to uh, break down kind of the uh, the idea behind you know the what, what you're talking about with with the lunar um, with the lunar farming kind of thing? You know, what technology is necessary for this thing to be possible? What kind of uh, innovative uh, methods of agriculture we have to use and i'm assuming some kind of hydroponics or you know or, or other alternative forms of agriculture being used in, in this instance like um how does uh how does low gravity farming work you know could, could you kind of just explain some of that stuff for, for the audience right right so yes one of the uh options that that group came up with in the late 70s was to use hydroponics or aeroponics and they talked about different ideas in that regard Though back then, really the main method of producing food was still in dirt. 
So what they came up with was actually a sideways growing plant. Um, it's very interesting. They they have these uh, almost like shelves that are, are spring-loaded to expand, and they put the seeds and the dirt in there. And then as the plants grow, they move it down this, this uh, hemispherical rack so that the shelf that these are in grows, giving the plants more space to grow. And they are able to control the growth rate of the plants in this manner uh, and they can control what nutrients go in and how much light they get. And that's that's seems to be the main method that they are trying to achieve. Huh, that's interesting. So where do you think, uh, you know, just from an understanding of, of the science of it today versus uh, way back in, in the 70s when they first tried it, where do you think that they were uh, going wrong or where do you think they're going right necessarily? I think they were definitely going right in in their growth control i think that's a very important aspect that we're going to see on the moon that we don't necessarily have here on earth really on earth we're just trying to grow as much as fast as possible Mm. whereas up there you don't necessarily want as much as fast as possible you want to be able to control when it's ready to go to harvest and how much nutrients it's absorbing Mm. because that's all very limited uh you don't want (laughs) a thousand pounds of potatoes and nowhere to put it because you can't just set it outside. You have to keep it inside. And if you keep it inside, that's taking up space that you just don't then have to keep other equipment. And I think that's going to be the main factor that we have to analyze is how do we control the growth and how do we control the resources that it's absorbing, the resources that it's expelling. Hmm. So do you see the uh, potential solution to the uh, the growth control issue being uh, possible colonization? Or is that kind of something that's, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of Mars, but in terms of the, in terms of the moon, I'm sure that's a little bit more difficult to pull off. Right. So colonization is, is very far away. Um, mm-hmm. Commercially colonizing at all. Um, in terms of, in terms of food production leading to colonies, as soon as we can get a base on the moon and we can scientifically study different types of plants, um, there's even, I have a, I have a book here on um, lunar, hand, lunar, lunar bases and they talk about using animals as food and the different pros and cons, which animals to use, which animals are a little so-so. They even get into seafood. If we can get that scientifically proven tested i think we can definitely start to see moon ranches if you will just like uh pastures of artificial nutrients under a big dome i think that could definitely be somewhere in in the further future for sure but in the future yeah no that's that's definitely interesting i i kind of want to see what the uh what the uh, moon ranches would look like, you know, <laughs> yeah. all the cows about uh, all those, all the songs about cows jumping over the moon would be uh, not so uh, fan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, what do you think is the, how do I put this? So actually I did have a question about the, about the, uh, the nutrients kind of like you were talking just now. Um, so as far as the technology is going right now, how are they how are they getting the nutrients for the crops that they're growing? Are they synthetic nutrients? Are they, uh, you know, synthetic, are they synthetic fertilizers? Are they using organic soil from 
uh, from Earth and just sending it up there and, and keeping it preserved so that way the microorganisms are staying intact? Or how are they how are they transporting those nutrients in a way they're still usable for the plants? To my knowledge, the nutrients are being transported and inserted into the soil artificially as like a like a fertilizer almost. Um, and that way they can control exactly what levels of nitrogen and oxygen and so forth are present in the soil. Yeah, that would definitely make a lot more sense. I think that the you know the full the full transfusion of soil from from earth and you know hoping to, to maintain all those nutrients just isn't realistic just because they probably couldn't get large enough samples to you know to their location in you know in in the uh small space they're able to transport it so that that, that would make sense that they're using artificial nutrients um so in terms of the uh i keep forgetting i, I had i keep having this question pop into my mind i keep forgetting what it is though I'll come back to it later. Um, so, so why don't you why don't you explain a little bit about what exactly uh, your role is in in the the project that you're working on, if you don't mind? Okay, yeah. So, in the project that I'm working on um, right now, we're in a very beginning stage. Uh, we're still working on a conceptual design, um, along with some administrative issues that always pop up on such an expensive project. But right now, my current role is uh, the structure of the the habitat so how it's shaped how it's going to hold people where this stuff's going to go how are we going to run plumbing and electrical throughout the uh throughout the habitat hmm. yeah no that's that's definitely um the, I, I i can imagine the structure is incredibly important to making all that stuff work um so is is there a certain level of so Okay, I remember what the what the question was going to be. Is is the farming is is the cultivation being done mostly on the actual surface of the moon using using soil from Earth, or is it being done like in the space station that's just going to be stationed on the moon? It's it's going to be inside of a habitat. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, that's why I kind of figured, but I maybe you mentioned that and I missed it. Um, but no, that 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 definitely makes a lot more sense. So something similar to what we kind of saw on the Martian, you know, some kind of. Uh, you know, greenhouse on, on, on the moon of sorts. Absolutely. Um, I believe in the Martian though, he does use Martian soil. He does. It's been a, it's been a long time and that would not be feasible with the moon. Right. Um, no, exactly. Yeah. That, moon dust is very igneous. It would <laughs> not work. Hmm. So what is the appeal, you know, necessarily, I guess just because of the, you know, the, the proximity and in, in comparison to Mars, but what's the appeal in growing crops on the moon versus other surrounding bodies of, of space matter? Right. So proximity is a, is a big plus for the moon. Uh, with the moon, we can send communications and there's approximately a 30 second delay. Uh, so you send a calm saying, the corn grew, and 30 seconds later, Houston gets it. And 30 seconds later, the people on the moon get a hurrah. Hmm. So that delay, 30 seconds seems like a long time, but on Mars, it is significantly longer. And there's even a two-week period on Mars where there's no communication at all. Um, the wow. sun is in the way. So if something were to go wrong and i mean i know we're talking about plants what's going to go wrong with plants but should something go wrong there is a big issue there that could be mm -hmm. two weeks that nobody knows anything happened or what happened 
And so the moon is definitely the best way to go in terms of a test base. Mm. Growing plants on the moon, as opposed to currently we are growing plants in orbit around Earth in microgravity. And so we can study that pretty well. But growing plants on the moon is going to create a whole new set of issues where we're going to have a less controlled atmosphere. We're going to have opening doors and we're going to have people coming in that are carrying microparticles of moon dust. And how is that going to affect the the plants? And right now the International Space Station is pretty well protected from solar radiation, but on the moon they will not be. Uh, solar radiation could mutate the plants. We could see two-headed tomatoes or whatever coming out of these. It could uh, cause them just to wilt. And if the radiation doses reach high enough, the plants could just all die. Hmm. It's it's a little worrisome. Yeah, no, I can imagine it would be. And that actually led into another question I had, which was, it's kind of a, a two-part question. Uh, one of them was uh, what, you know, because obviously we talked about the environment of the moon is, is not the most ideal for growing for growing crops and, and growing really any kind of plant life. Um, what preventative measures or what, what you know, what, what protective gear do um, are they using to to watch over and, and kind of protect these crops? And second of all, let's assume that this gear is is ineffectual or even if it is effective, that the environment of the crops is is so different than their home back on Earth. What changes do you think we will be able to see? Um, and I know that's kind of impossible to predict, but like, do you, do you think we'll see crops that are, are much different than the ones we grew on Earth just because of their environment? Or do you think that because it's so stagnant and it's so close to what we have here, they're going to remain largely the same? Right. So uh, to address the, the gear and the equipment question, um, it, they're, they're definitely going to need to be closed off. Uh, and I think that'll help a lot. Um, right now, in terms of radiation shielding, you don't need a, a whole lot, but, okay, sorry, let me start over. You need a lot over a lot of area to protect the humans, but plants, you need more. So instead of spending the extra money to put that more over the entire area, you can just put that in the enclosed area where the plants would be, and you can protect them from radiation more or less. Hmm. In terms of how humans interact with it and when they take it to harvest and have it in storage, it's going to be a lot harder to keep it from mutating. Uh, and if they end up splicing or reproducing like potatoes, um, you could see defects definitely appear down the line. I don't uh, know exactly what kind of def uh, defects we would see. I know that they have since spotted defects in leaf size, uh, bloom rate, and even like uh, plant color. I think on the ISS they grew like a purple flower that had never been like purple before, just from like radiation mutating it. Um, it's it's almost random just in how what little piece of radiation will strike what little piece of the plant's genome. Uh, you could get almost anything. Hmm. Interesting. 
So changing gears just a little bit, uh, obviously here on Earth, we like like you mentioned earlier, we grow food um, in terms of trying to get as much food as possible in, in the shortest amount of time possible. Obviously, for for the time being, all these agricultural you know projects and and all these all this you know plant science, all, all these kinds of projects are going to be experimental for a while. When do you see, if if ever, us reaching a, a commercial level of production on the moon or on Mars or in, in other out out uh, outer world type environments? A commercial level would be expensive and probably very difficult to obtain mm. out of out of world. Um, because mostly everything that you'd need to grow it would actually kind of have to be shipped from Earth. So I don't think you'd ever be able to obtain a commercial level of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, you'd be able to do self-sustaining, and that's almost a stretch at that. Uh, it's definitely, at least as of current, not planned to sustain a full population but is more to just kind of limit how much little MREs they have to eat mm. and kind of get them a diverse diet. So from that point of view, a lot of people have been looking at the idea and you know, people who aren't quite as, as familiar with, with how agriculture works. I've been looking at the idea of, you know, if we're running out of land on, on earth to grow food, why don't we just grow food on, you know, the Mar on on the moon, on Mars, on other planets, and we can ship it back to to Earth that we can eat it. If if the commercial level thing isn't going to be an effective method, you know, for for a long time, if ever, uh, what what would you say is the? I mean, besides just the experimental portion of it, but what what's kind of the advantage to being able to grow crops outside of Earth? The advantage is the promise of growth. And when I say growth, I don't mean plant growth, but of of people growth. It's mm-hmm. the same thing that pushes us to go to the moon in the first place. I mean, why are we there? And it it's that option that we have. It's It's there, so we'll go there, and we'll put a plant there. And that plant, it grew, and we can grow that plant anywhere. We can go anywhere, and we can have food if we want to. It would take a lot. It would take a lot of work from forever sending it and whatever but we can it's it's that almost like winning attitude that competitive thrill that's in humans to to just kind of go and do it because we can yeah no, i'd say it's a it's a pretty fair reason <laughs> especially you know in in the united states we have a tendency to want to just be the best at everything <laughs> yeah um so in, in that regard, is there somewhat of a space race going on right now between different countries for this kind of stuff, or are, are different uh, scientific organizations kind of working together on this? And that's that's what I love about space is we have such communication and cooperation between all these different organizations to just reach that competitive winning. We're not we're not competing against anyone but ourselves, and I think it really helps drive it. Uh, there's no there's no race other than yay we did it versus we couldn't do it this time let's try again Mm. and i think sometimes that that kind of pushes people a little bit harder yeah no i would definitely agree i mean the competitive nature of 
of just, you know, wanting to be better than not necessarily someone else, but just, you want to be better than, than how you were yesterday. I think that's a, a massive driving force for a lot of people in, in a lot of different uh, aspects of life. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I did want to kind of talk about, cause you mentioned that, you know, the idea behind being able to grow food on other, um, not necessarily other, other planets, but also, you know, just outer world, um, environments, it, it gives way to the idea that we could potentially colonize or, or that there's the, there's a the potential for, for growth as a, as a society through those methods. Um, that, that just reminded me of the idea that, um, and this is something that was actually quoted in the Martian, which is, is ironic enough, but it's the idea that agriculture tends to be the founding piece of a society that civilization, civilization tends to follow where the, where the food can be grown. Um, does that kind of, does that seem to be kind of the inspiration behind this, this project in the first place? Oh yeah. I mean, if you look back at ancient civilizations, all their cities were next to rivers mm-hmm. where food could grow. Uh, and if we can put food on the moon, and we can do it in large quantities successfully repetitively i i definitely feel like you could have people there too hmm. and i think the people will follow uh, you know only the rich people only the people who can afford to go there but hmm. eventually commercial property on the moon is not unobtainable uh, if you had to give an estimate i know this is kind of uh, difficult but if you had to give an estimate how how far away do you think we are from that? From commercial land, I think we're pretty far. Um, right now, NASA and the Artemis program are going to have astronauts on the moon again in 2024, which is amazing. Their base uh, that I am currently designing is slated to be up there, constructed with people in it in 2028. Hmm. Um, and I think from there there's just so much to do and we can't we can't start with food they have to test electronics and breathing apparatus and the structure and everything else that is needed to keep alive and they can just munch on the little powdered pockets that they have and be happy and once they have all that they can start looking at food and I think we're looking at least 50 to a hundred years before we're looking at commercial land. Wow. Yeah. That, that'll definitely be uh, an interesting sight to see, to see, to say in the least. Um, no, there's definitely something to be said about, um, you know, just from the agricultural perspective of things, just because this is an agriculturally based podcast, there's something to be said about the power of uh, the ability to, to grow food and, and how that influences society and, and civilizations to kind of just build their way around it. Um, I actually just did an episode recently about a guy who researched uh, Johnny Appleseed and where he you know, where he plants his his trees oh, and that wow. sort of thing. And That's very cool. Yeah, no, it, it was actually incredibly interesting. And he said that you know there was uh, there was no civilization where he planted his orchards, and civilizations tended to just pop up out of nowhere after he planted them. And so there was this kind of just natural attraction to where there was fertile land and where there was food. And so that's, that's really interesting that, that, you know, these space organizations are almost, they're almost creating the incentive to, to civilize, um, you know, to, to, to just go in and, you know, colonize in a commercial way is kind of the, the long-term goal, obviously, but just, you know, the idea of getting people on board with, with that, I, with that notion of, you know, Hey, we can grow food on the moon. Maybe it, maybe it is okay to, to leave earth now. And, 
because I know that I'm sure that there's some level of opposition. I'm not sure if you've if you've heard or faced any, but I, I can imagine there's some level of, of opposition to uh, you know the idea of growing food on the moon or the idea of colonizing other planets or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I personally have never experienced um, that opposition beyond the few slightly insane people, <laughs> but uh, they oppose everything. So right. Um, no, I haven't really experienced any opposition in terms of let's leave. I feel like just about everyone is kind of on board with space travel, or at least everyone I can hang around, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's been my experience as well. I haven't really met anybody who's saying like, you know, let's just stay on earth because I think everyone agrees that, uh, we're getting a little, little heavy populated and we, and we're starting to run out of resources. So it's probably not the worst idea to look for other options, even if we're not at that extreme yet. Um, but it definitely seems to be a topic of conversation that most people tend to agree on. I mean, I personally wouldn't want to leave earth. This is my home, but I definitely understand the, the desire for adventure and, you know, the people who want to go, you know, be the first person on the moon or the first person to live on Mars or whatever that I definitely get that. Just not, uh, not for me. I don't, I don't want to ride in a <laughs> rocket ship. <laughs> that's fair so awesome um was there anything else from from the project specifically that you wanted to discuss or anything of interest that you think would be cool to talk about i didn't have anything else uh if i didn't have anything else prepared no okay um so in terms of the you know the the ability to grow food on the moon what do you think is kind of the uh, most impressive aspect of that you know in terms of the, the technology or the or the you know how fast we're able to figure it out or you know the, maybe it's the mutation like what what has been your favorite part about working on this project and learning about all this my favorite part has been seeing how they learn from what they see hmm. so as they gather data from the space station uh, currently orbiting they they modify their tech they they realize oh this doesn't work so well or this works let's amplify that a little bit and they are able to put up new tech to like try new things um they've been growing plants up there for a while and just in 2018 they put up a whole new machine to do it uh, at a more efficient rate and i think that's definitely what we're going to need to see we're going to need to see testing analyzing and fixing and if we can continue to do that we can we can get places faster yeah no for sure i mean i think that that's kind of the i mean that's that's kind of the scientific method in a nutshell isn't it you know you have an idea you try it out you fail you have a, you have another idea you try it out again until you just keep doing it until you figure out how what works and what doesn't right 100 percent <laughs> so um actually i did have a question i i just lost oh i remember what it was now um so you, we've talked a lot about uh crops being able to be grown outside of earth that are used for uh food purposes are there any crops or any plants that are being used right now um for these experiments that aren't for food maybe they're there for ornamental purposes or they're for other uh utilities uh they did grow flowers um oh they grew these flowers on the iss uh, oh, those and, are the purple ones you mentioned. Yes. Uh, okay. I can't exactly remember what kind of flowers they were, um, but there's a relatively famous astronaut, Scott Kelly. He uh, mm -hmm. actually holds a record for being in space the longest. Wow. And uh, one time when he was in charge of the flowers, they were they were dying, 
and he changed the procedure a little bit and managed to save them. Um, we actually gained a lot of information out of that, and he managed to take a bouquet and post it on his Instagram for Valentine's Day. So it was it was a win win for everybody. That's awesome. So, uh, do you think that? Um, where was I going? I I I don't know what my brain is doing today. I keep having questions and losing them as I'm saying them. I was doing that earlier. You're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. One thing I did want to kind of cover is is some of the technolo- te- technological and, and scientific practices that we're using on um, Earth atmosphere or on uh, Earth agriculture. Are the, are some of those things being used in space? So I'll give you an example. So in, in Earth, obviously, we're using uh, genetic modification. We're using uh, different chemicals like pesticides, fertilizers. We're using antibiotics for animals, which obviously that's not going to be used yet. Um are are there certain aspects of these technologies and these and these uh, methods that are being used in uh, a lot of the space crops? Like, are, are we are we seeing GMO plants used because they're able to adapt faster or anything like that? Uh, to my knowledge, they're not using any of that yet. Okay. Um, so one of the issues with growing crops in microgravity is they have a, a tough time staying upright, um, just like we see with people, and they lose muscle mass and their bones actually get weaker Mm. Uh, we see the same thing with plants which is why um as i mentioned earlier they ate lettuce lettuce doesn't really have to hold itself up like a stalk of corn does so they are having them trouble holding themselves up and they're talking about doing genetically modified organisms that already have less of that and trying to grow them on Earth to see if we can figure out a better procedure for growing plants that are laying down hmm. instead of sticking up. Huh. Well, that'd be incredibly interesting to see if they were able to develop anything like that that'd be basically able to to resist the you know the gravitational effects of you know of, of being in that and in, in that environment. So that it always amazes me the kinds of things that they're, they're capable with genetic modification. I mean they've. They've pulled off so many amazing things so far, and every time I, I read about a new thing they're doing, it always surprises me, which is super cool. I'm a big science nerd, so every time I read that stuff, I get super excited. <laughs> yeah. So, cool. Um, I, I'm trying. I, I think those are all the questions I had. I thought I had another one, but I cannot remember what, for life me what it was. Did you have any questions, any comments, anything else you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I had a question for you, actually. Uh, oh. What what do you feel is like the best way to handle proper crop rotation mm. in, in such a small area? Like, is it as important? Like, cause I know I've had family, you know, that rotates crops out of these hundred acre fields, but if we're running little trays of two inch by like a few feet, is it as important? Do we, have to monitor crop rotation as much, or can we just kind of try and inject our own nutrients? I think it's a great question. Uh, so the primary purpose of crop rotation is to prevent leaching. Uh, and as I'm sure you know, leaching is when you have a crop in, in soil and it's been there for too long. And so it sucks out a lot of the necessary nutrients in it. And so once you put the next crop in, uh, it, it may not have as abundant amounts of nutrients for that crop. And so you try to crop rotate on a regular basis to try to uh, mix up what nutrients are being used. That way the the soil has the opportunity to, to regenerate some of the nutrients that it lost. 
in terms mm-hmm. of the the small scale, um, like you know, like you mentioned, you have like a little like two inch by two inch or two foot by two foot, whatever the measurements were for um, for those operations. I don't, I don't really know because if you're using artificial nutrients, anyways, I'm not really sure if it's necessary to do crop rotation. I think it would just kind of uh, depend on what crops you're using and and what the long term goal of that crop is. Because obviously, like we mentioned, you know, like we've said on multiple occasions here we're using crops for commercial production. And so we're, we're getting them in and out extremely quickly. If, you know, if in an experimental situation that might not be as fast. And so there might be more utility in leaving the crop in there longer and that might cause leaching. But if you have the resources to just artificially, you know, regenerate that, that nutrient count, then that might be the smarter play anyway, just to make sure that the crop gets, you know, to its, to its maximum maturity in the most healthy way possible. Right. So I I think it depends. I think it's kind of a, there's a few different factors need to be determined first. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Hope that kind of answered. No, that made a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Crop rotation is kind of a, it's a weird topic because it's so, uh, not controversial, but in, in modern soil science, there's a lot of controversy around whether whether or not we should be using it the way that in the in the ways that we are. Because like tillage is kind of controversial now too, because there's no till practices that are being used that have positive effects and have negative effects and all this kind of stuff. Um, so crop rotation has always kind of been agreed to be a, a positive uh, practice, but the ways that crop rotation are used and in what you know what levels and what capacity and all that kind of stuff have been debated for some time now so it's kind of difficult to determine how it would work on a scientific scale just because you know we're using it for production purposes so obviously it's a different kind of scenario right so yeah but no that's that's a good question i actually hadn't thought about even the idea of using crop rotation in you know in in a scientific sphere yeah and i think one of the big issues is trying to maintain that the same nutrient levels per batch so we can really get a consistent repeatable measure yeah and that actually that actually brings up another question so are you guys using methods that are similar to what we use in in agriculture down here i mean obviously like you're not like like we're like we just talked about crop rotation are you guys using other i'm assuming you're not tilling because you know you don't have fields to till but right. um are, are, are there other methods of agriculture that you've kind of taken you know like you like you go to a farm here and you say hey they're doing that thing let's try that on, on in the lab and see if it works uh yeah that is that is definitely happening to mm-hmm. to some degree at least you know on the small scale right um yeah that's of course like you said not tilling but we are looking at moving dirt and trying to like just kind of keep everything a little more consistent with what we see on earth so we can see how they compare a little better. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. If you're able to, would you mind kind of discussing what the, you know, what the staff looks like for that, for that kind of research? Like, do you guys have to have like a, a you know, a, an abundance of botanists and soil scientists, I'd assume, but like what, you know, what kind of professionals do you need to have involved for that kind of thing? Uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't quite know. That's not, that's not exactly my department. That makes sense. I, I kind of, I wasn't sure if you had to work with any of those guys because of the way you have to construct the the hub or not. No, not really. Okay. Yeah. So, because because in soil science, we learned very recently that I I should say very recently, but it's it's a more recent discovery that soil is more or less a living being in and of itself, and so the way we care for soil is a is a massive uh, determining factor of how healthy crops can become, and so I think that that's kind of 
interesting that you brought up the idea of, of crop rotation and that you're importing soil and importing um, artificial nutrients. I'd be I'd be curious to see what level of of you know soil health is being maintained in in the in the contained unit that they're being farmed in because obviously in you know on Earth we have uh, constantly regenerating soil that can constantly be uh, fixing itself and readjusting and we can fix it using different types of crops and all that kind of stuff. That's not exactly the luxury you have up there. You know, there's there's a lot more limitation on what resources you're able to use to regenerate that soil. And if your microbiomes die, your crop dies. So I, I'd be curious to see what countermeasures are being kind of put in place for that. Right. So that is that is a, a big issue is because you do have these these microbiomes and you do have uh, like bugs and other stuff down here that that definitely helps plant growth you also have some that hurts but a lot that helps Mm -hmm. and that's not really something that we can put up in space all too well Mm -hmm. and so it is it is a lot harder to kind of maintain that plant health and we have to keep a careful eye and (laughs) lots of probes and it's it's definitely a process it's it's fun though yeah, no, I can I can definitely see how how that could be uh, very interesting, but very very fun. Um, I can imagine the amount of regulation on on that that kind of stuff is just extremely stringent. You have to have like the perfect temperature, you have to have the perfect moisture content, you have to have the perfect like you know all that kind of stuff. Just because, like you said, you can't rely on the environment to take care of those crops as much as it as it would down on Earth. Like you don't have beneficial insects, you don't have the you know the uh, consistency of the climate, but I you can artificially create a lot of those types of effects on on the crop health as well. So I'm sure that I'm sure you guys have technology way way more advanced than you know than than the simple a simple greenhouse that we use down here for that kind of stuff. A little bit. So some of it is pretty similar though in terms of timers and hmm. sprayers, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. No, I've I've learned very quickly that agriculture. Well, I've kind of known this for a while, but after talking to people who work in, in more technologically advanced industries, I've, I've learned very quickly that agriculture is one of the most technologically advanced industries in the world. I mean, some of the technology we use is stuff that's not even used in, in you know, other industries that we tend to consider technologically advanced, like, like the automobile industry. Right. I, the, there's a lot of science in agriculture. There is. Um, I mean, a lot that kind of goes overlooked by many. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole branch of, of agricultural jobs that are considered agri-science. Like it's, it has nothing to do with farming. It's all about, you know, determining, like, you know, like we talked about soil science, you know, there, there's certain aspects of, of research that needs to be put into producing these crops in a way that are, are not only healthy and, and abundant, but also effective and quick. And that doesn't just happen overnight. And, sci- and farmers don't have time to figure that stuff out on, them, on their own. So there's, I mean, there's tons of science jobs related to agriculture that people tend to just forget exists. Yeah, it's it's a whole different light. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But no, it's 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 really interesting stuff. I, I I always enjoy learning more about other industries as well as my own. So, yeah, I mean, did you have any other any other questions? Anything else you wanted to discuss? I think I kind of covered everything I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, you you covered everything I had. So <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. If you end up having you know any more questions, or maybe you have other things in agriculture you want to discuss, um, you're welcome to come back on for another episode. I mean, it doesn't have to be about space. We could just talk general ag or whatever. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, coming on. And, you know, before we uh, close out here, I'd you know, like to give you an opportunity to kind of 
uh, replug your your podcast if you want to do that or, or plug anything else that you want to have uh, uh, linked down in the description or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do. I do run my own podcast called No Too Much. Uh, I bring in guests who just kind of know too much about one specific topic, and we talk about we talk about what they know. Uh, right now, I have someone who just looked at gender discrimination in video games from when they were made. I have someone who knows all about the life of the rapper Eminem. It's just, it's all these people who just looked into something and they just got really hooked on it. And it's, it's actually really fun. It's, it's looking into lives of others, things you wouldn't think about. Yeah, no, that sounds very interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, tuning in and, and listening to it myself, but I definitely recommend to all of you listeners out there to go check, you know, check Jake out. He's a brand new podcaster and you guys know how much we like to support our fellow podcasters and help out the new guys because it's tough out there you know it took me uh two and a half years to figure out how to not suck at this <laughs> <laughs> but um, no it's 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 all in good fun but i definitely appreciate you know i appreciate you, you reaching out and wanting to be on the episode i hope that everything goes well with your podcast if there's anything i can do to help out let me know um you know i'm always always here for the, for the new guys absolutely thank you yeah no my pleasure and so I think if that's it, if you don't have any other questions or comments or anything else you want to make, um, that's pretty much all we got, right? That's all I got. Awesome. I hope all of you enjoyed the episode. It was definitely a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, thank you again to our guest and, and to all of you who are tuning in. And uh, thanks for you know all the support that you guys give on every on every episode. Thanks again to Faith for for donating to this podcast. Uh, you know a monthly subscription, which again is not necessary or ob- or obligatory, but I greatly appreciate it all the same. Thanks again to our sponsor Anchor and and uh, you know all all the that you do in terms of financial investment of this podcast. And um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. So I hope to hear from you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. Mm-hmm.